A response that Jesus got here in this text that we're going to be looking at, starting in verse 12 of chapter 8 of John. In this account, we hear that many believed in Jesus. That many believed in Jesus. This is great news. People moved from death to life. They will not die in their sin. They will be forgiven. Their sins will not be held against them. If they believe, they live. And they believe. The people that we read about here, some of these people we get to see one day. Because they believed in Christ. Christ loved them, pursued them. God captured them in his family. And we get to call these people brothers and sisters. This is beautiful. My prayer is that at the end of the sermon today, it would be so true of all of us gathered here that we believe. Regardless of how much you've been resisting and fighting and battling, pursuing Christ and accepting this love because it's so radical, it's almost hard, it is hard to understand how someone could love you that much. But you just say, I believe. This is how I hope that we end today. So let's, let's read this passage. We've got a lot of work. John 8, 12 through 30. Let's get to work. I want to read it, follow along. Then I want to say another thing. We'll pray as we jump in. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true, is valid. I'm the one who bears witness about myself, and also the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. That's significant. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I have heard from him. 
They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father, his union with the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted the Son of Man, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. You see, there's a growing hostility that's going to lead up to his death on the cross. His betrayal, his arrest, and his death. Jesus teaches people, they want to kill him. Here in this passage, we have Jesus just talking. This is simply Jesus just talking. No miracles, just words. And I want to do my best just to let Jesus speak this morning. Just words. They believe, they are saved, they are rescued, they are brought to life as he speaks. They had seen miracle after miracle. They didn't get it. As he spoke, scales fell off their eyes and they saw him and believed. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. When you hear the word of Christ, the gospel, something happens. So why aren't people saved every time the word of Christ is spoken? What must we do to hear May we be asking Christ to reveal himself to us today so we can see him, truly see him, and we can hear him, truly hear him. Because when you truly see Christ and you truly hear Christ, you're changed. When you can step out of your deception, be delivered from your deception, from your death, from your lifelessness, and you see Christ... Not a Christ that you said no to when you were 17 years old. Jesus, the name above all names, loving, gentle, savior, kind, hero. When you see him, truly see him for who he is, you will be changed. This is my prayer. My prayer is that you will be so exhausted at this point to where you say, you know what? Nothing else has made sense in my life. If you're real, Jesus, reveal yourself to me today. I've tried so many things. If you're real, man, I'm hopeless. Work in me. If, if, if you are who, who Jeremy's saying you are, if you are who the Bible says that you are, crazy. It's a little extreme. I don't understand it all. But if it is true, do something in me. I'm at the end. I want to pray that that would be the posture of your heart, okay? Let's pray. Lord, you've heard our need. Lord, you've heard our limitation. God, I know for a fact that there's tired people here today exhausted 
at the end of their rope. Wondering kind of what's, what's next to even trying to pursue. Jesus, would you be speaking to these people today? Not merely me, but would you speak to these people today? And would you cause them to hear you? That's all. In Christ's name, amen. All right, let's hop in here. Let's work kind of verse by verse as we work our way through this portion of Scripture. John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. I am the light. Whoever follows me has light and not in darkness. Light here is never mentioned again in this chapter. But it's known as a chapter where he talks about being the light. One time it's referenced. He's claiming here that there is no mere human authority in him, but that he gets everything he has from his father as a direct result from being connected and united with his father. He's not just a man. He is Messiah on mission from the father, empowered by the Holy Spirit to save the lost. That's who he is. That's what he's trying to express here, that he is divine, not merely human, and that what makes him divine is his unique connectedness to his father. He is light because of his relationship with his father. That's why he's light. You take away that connectedness, he's no longer light. That connectedness is what makes Jesus who he is. This dialogue here all relates to this union, this connectedness between the father and the son. John 8, 12 is a life-changing verse. We're going to spend a good bit of time here, and then it's going to speed up towards the end. Notice here that when you follow him, when you follow the light, you have him. Whoever follows me will have me. Whoever follows the light, and then revealed this light, and follows this light, he will have the light. It's an incredible promise. The light of the world. What does this mean, light of the world? The light of the world. The whole world is not being lightened, meaning given life, real life, eternal life. It's not given the ability to see. You see darkness as a result of the fall that you can read about in Genesis 3. Is darkness is the result of the fall, of sin entering the world. It's now the default setting. Darkness, can't see things as they really are. We're deceived. We're limited in what we can understand and perceive. This is where we are. He's not taking away the darkness. Rather, he is the light shining forth in and through the darkness. To make this statement would be absurd if it were anybody else but Jesus. If I told you, I'm the light of the world. Let's sing about me today. You would leave. You should leave. Right? Like, this is weird. It's ridiculous. So because these men don't stone Christ right here, 
because they don't get up and leave or because they don't start throwing rocks, I think it speaks to something that they discern about him. Because certainly there's been other people claim to be Messiah. And there has since this point. Even in the modern era. But they don't lock him up in an asylum somewhere. Because even though they were still in darkness, something is different about that guy. So as we move forward, what does I am the light of the world mean? It means a lot, but I have four things for us to know as we work through this. I am the light of the world means that the world has no other light other than Jesus. Jesus is the source of all light, life, good, truth. He's the source. The world has no other light other than Jesus. It's Jesus or darkness. There is no alternative. There is no grayscale. It's only darkness and ignorance regarding truth and life and death. Second thing that I'm the light of the world means here, I believe as Christ utters these words, is that all the world needs Jesus as their light. There isn't any other light. It's only false lights. It's only deception. There's light, there's Jesus, and there's death, and there's nothing. There's not another option. Third thing that I believe this means is that the world was made for this light. Creation was made for this light to fill it, to shine in it. It's not a foreign light. It's the light of the creator. It's the light of the owner. And this light, when it enters the world, it exposes sin by telling us the truth. And it allows us to see everything in its true light, in perfect reality, ultimate truth. Without the light of Christ, man, this has rocked me a little bit this week. Without the light of Christ, you don't see anything the way you should see it. Without the light of Christ, you don't see anything the way that you should see it. Do you see the dependence that we have upon Christ? God, on my own, I'm ignorant and I'm foolish and I think I'm doing the right thing, but I'm doing the wrong thing. I need you to be in my life, filling me with your Holy Spirit, revealing to me the truth so that I will know which way to go, so I will know what to do today. Because if I'm left out here on my own, I will fail. I need you to help me. I need you to reveal to me truth. When someone pulls in front of me, I know a truth. I know what I want to do. The Holy Spirit has to show me what I should do. What Christ actually did in moments similar to that. We need him. We need his power. His light, when it comes in, illumines everything in its proper beauty. Without this light from Christ, you can't see the world as God does. So we pray, God, give us your eyes to see. My grandpa's been praying this ever since I can remember. Let me see people the way you do, because then I'll know I'll tell them the truth. I know I'll have to tell them about Jesus. If I see them as corpse, walking dead people, I will tell them about how to find life. If I see people crawling at death of thirst, I'll, I'll offer my camelback, say, here, here's some water. If I can see people the way Jesus sees people, the way that God sees people, I live my life differently. 
I don't cherish the house. I don't cherish the car. I don't cherish mine. When I see things the way God sees things, I use things the way God wants me to use them. Does that make sense? And it takes him revealing this light, giving us this light, so it's like, oh, okay, that's what this means. That's what I'm should, I should do here. And the fourth thing, so what I'm the world means, one, the world has no other light other than Jesus. Two, all the world needs, all the world needs Jesus as their light. Three, the world was made for this light. And lastly here is one day this world will be filled with light of Jesus and nothing else. He will take away all darkness and banish it from the world. All the works of darkness, all the workers of darkness. And he will be the only light there is and we'll all know it. There will be no one walking in darkness in the new heavens and the new earth. That is called paradise. And that's eternal life, not eternal death. That is what's promised to believers in Christ. Believe, you have light, you live. Not just now seeing things differently, but you live forever seeing Christ in all of his beauty forever and ever and ever in the light. Amen. It's a good place to say that. All right, so what's he mean here by when he says, we will have the light of life? Consider John 1, 4 and 5. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The life given to those who believe enables them to see the light. Until life is given in Christ, you are blind, you remain blind. You don't see, you can't see, dead people don't see. When you're saved, you are given life and the ability to see to see the truth, to see the light, to see things differently when you're saved. If you follow him now, you will have the light. And it's true that when you walk in the light as he is in the light, that he will reveal to you the awfulness of your sin. But that's really good news. It's a lot like the wonderful yet earth-shattering early discovery of cancer. When you hear about your cancer, you think, so it can be healed? Yes, it's bad news at first, but then you realize the hope in the doctor's voice when he says, we got it early. Revealing sin feels horrible. But then there's the thought, oh, it's fixable? It can be taken care of? This is treatable? Are you kidding me? Sin equals death, and you're telling me that the sin that's going to lead to my death can be taken care of? There will be a day when it's not fixable. That's what he means here when he says you'll die in your sin. That's the terminal sin. If you follow and believe, you'll have him and have life and have light, never alone in darkness again. So he says, I'm the light of the world. 
If you follow me, you'll have light. And they object. They object to this. They say, verse 13, So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Let's look back at John 5. Quoting Christ here. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's not the part that we're really going to hang anything on here. Listen to this. Christ continues. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. I'm the light of the world. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. You see that? Because they're remembering what he said in John 5. So did they catch him here? This, this seemingly contradict, contradictory statement here gives us the next 17 verses. That's what, what, where this comes from. They heartily caught Christ. Look here. Essentially, Jesus is saying, if I testify from myself, if my story originates with me, if, if it's out of my own, disconnected from my father, then I'm false. He's pointing to his connectedness with the father. He's saying, if I'm out on my own, false. But if I am divine, connected with my holy father, empowered by the Holy Spirit in triune agreement, I'm bearing witness together in union with others. They didn't get Christ's meaning in 530. And this is horrible. This is sad. Let me paint you a small picture. It's like I said, maybe on this past Friday to a British friend who was in Nashville visiting with me, we're talking through differences in our cultures. And I'm like, yeah, I don't ever use the word bloody. Like, I don't use that the way you use that. Like, I'm just not that guy, right? And let's say you overheard me say that, and you and I are out trail running. And we go around this side of a hill, this little cliff maybe, and you slip and fall, and you're miraculously caught. After you've tumbled a little bit, you're caught in like this cleft or those, maybe off this limb. And I tie a rope, and I, I, I lean out over the edge. I'm like, bro, grab this rope. You're, you're, you're all bloody, man. Like, this is bad. And you look at me and say, I caught you. You said bloody. What are you talking about? Dude, I'm trying to save you. Like, stop worrying about this. Grab the rope. This is absurd. This was absurd what these people were doing here with Christ. He's standing before them as the living God, saying, I am the light of the world. If you believe, you can get in this. You can live. Ah, we caught you. Yeah, we caught you. Absurd. Do you see that? Do you see how silly this is? In context, this is silly. In context, this is absurd. I could explain to you, look, the word bloody in British means this. Jesus doesn't do this. I would say this is ridiculous. You're about to die. You're bleeding all over the place. Grab the rope. Forget trying to catch me. Just grab the rope. I pray that even today that you're not seeking discrepancies and, and inconsistencies with Christ's teachings. My prayer is that that is not the posture of your heart. That it's not the posture of these men here. I pray that 
You're not simply trying to find contradictions. That when you hear the word preached, that you think, man, I really hope that's true. When you read scripture, I want you to think, man, I really hope that's true. My prayer is that your heart is not in the place where you're hoping to find something wrong. Their eyes and hearts are dark. They're blind. They didn't need Jesus to explain this contradiction to them, this seeming contradiction, what they assumed was a contradiction. What they needed were eyes to see him as the Messiah, as more than a man. (coughs) Amazingly here, we see that they have eyes. Some of them are granted salvation, and they see Jesus for who he is. I pray that we see this today. Verse 14 Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You see, remember, they thought he was from Galilee. Oh, we know where he's from. He's from Galilee. No, he's from Bethlehem, the city of David. But he doesn't doesn't go there. He's just saying, look, I come from God I'm going to God. You do not know God. Therefore, you cannot see me as light of the world because the purpose of me being the light of the world is that I am God. In other words, I'm here for God. I'm here from God. I'm here for God. I'm here to God. I'm here as God. That's what it means for me to be light of the world. I'm shining in darkness. Basically, because you do not know me, you cannot see me as light, as truth, as hope. Continuing in his own words, verse 15, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For if it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me, I judge no one on my own. I exercise my Father's judgments. We judge together. We are connected. Again, I think so much of this chapter exists just to prove the connectedness to the Father. Verse 17. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true, that it's valid. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Verse 19. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Perhaps a a slam against the virgin birth about Joseph, his stepdad. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. My father and I, we're so connected, we're so united that if you know him, you know me. And if you know me, you know him. If you loved him, you'd love me, but you don't know either You don't know us. John gives us this next verse, I think, to point out how amazing it was that he wasn't stoned to death on the spot. He gives us context and insight into where he was speaking. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come because Christ didn't want him to arrest him. Amazing power. This audience here was in a a, a place where very devout people would gather. And if you weren't devout, if you didn't know the law, and if you weren't trying to obey the law, the biblical law, the Mosaic law, 
you wouldn't be around this part of the temple. There'd be way too much guilt for not doing as you should. There were 13 baskets, basically, funnel baskets, big at the top and open at the bottom where you drop money in where you couldn't get it out. I guess people stole. <laughs> and, uh, and so you would have 13 different places to give for 13 different things. He's saying this where these people are giving and showing their dependence upon trying to please the law, devout people. He's saying this in that place. And no one arrested him. Verse 21, so he said to them again, I'm going away. I will die. I will beat death. I will send back to my father. I'm going away. And you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Man, where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, basically, is he going to kill himself? Like where else could he go that we couldn't find him? See, they're not, they're not seeing it. They're seeing it, they're hearing it, but they're not seeing it, truly seeing it. They're not truly hearing it. It's like the woman at the well. I want to give you living water. She's like, where's your bucket? The disciples come up and say, Jesus, here's some food to eat. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. They're like, who fed Jesus while we were gone? Nicodemus, what must I do to be born again? Can I, can I enter the womb a second time? No, it's not the point. It's not the point, Nicodemus. Spiritual truth, not just physically, spiritually. Think spiritually. They couldn't see. They couldn't do that on their own. This is us. <laughs> this is every single one of us in this room, were it not for grace, were it not for Christ, revealing this truth to us. We'd be saying, what? I don't get it. And if you're in that place, I pray that you would just say, I don't get it. Just say, like, just, that, that's a prayer. You know, when, when, you, when, you, when you have those thoughts and think those things, when you're directing them to, to Jesus, to God, to the Holy Spirit, and you just say, I don't, I don't get this, and you're not talking to me, something inside is talking to, to yourself, something's being revealed to you that, one, you're declaring that I don't know this, and two, it's a dependency as you look to God and say, I, I don't get this, like, I don't, I don't know what you mean here. Man, what a beautiful prayer. But don't stop there. Say, reveal to me what this means. Whew. Man, I wish we could be that honest. I wish that when we prayed, we didn't have these eloquent things that we're trying to show off. We would just be, man, this is, this is it. I don't, I don't get it. Could you, could you help me here? Well, that was a lame prayer. <laughs> no, my, my heart is that we would understand that that is true, innocent, dependent, Vulnerable prayer. A little side note. So the Jews said in verse 22, will he kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? Verse 23, he said to them, you are from below, I'm from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, in the original languages, he's not there, it's added in the English so unless you believe that I am, whew, wow, you will die in your sins. You can't follow me unless you repent and trust me as Messiah. You can have me, you can have life, you can have light, if only you believe. There is hope. 
If you do not believe, you will not have me. You will die. You will not have life. You will not have light because you're not having me. I am light and life. If you had light and life, you would have me. So they said to him, incredibly, who are you? I think here, just doesn't say this necessarily here at all, but I think here, that's when it changes. I think something changes in a lot of the people who are in this conversation and listening to this conversation and listening to his words. Something happens here. My prayer is that we'd be asking the same thing today to Jesus personally. Who are you? And he says to him, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I haven't changed. It's the same thing you've heard. I'm Messiah coming to the world to save you. Repent and believe. You have life. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he'd been speaking this, time, this entire time to them about the Father, about his connectedness to the Father. So Jesus said to them, breaking it down, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, when you have crucified me, then you will know that I am. Again, he's been added in the English. Then you will know that I am. And that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Now, this certainly doesn't mean that everyone who's responsible for his crucifixion will be saved. What it does mean, though, is that they would be instruments that Jesus would use to finish his saving work, yet without them knowing it. Basically, Jesus is saying, you're going to crucify me, and my role as rescuer and redeemer will be secured. I will rise and reign forever, shining forever. And one day you'll know this. And that's true. One day, every single person in this room, under the sound of my voice, will know that Jesus Christ is God. And that he is the only way to eternal peace. One day you will know this. Essentially he's saying you can know it and believe it now and be saved from your sins and not die in your sins. You'll be innocent. Or you can be the ones who crucify me and die in your sins and find out later who I was. But then it's too late. You will be guilty of your sin. This was presented to him. To those who are outside of Christ, not believing Christ this morning, in similar ways, this is presented to you. See Jesus. Believe Jesus. Receive Jesus now. And you will not die in your sins. Or die in your sins and it will be too late. My prayer is that God would grant to you life. And it comes through hearing. Life awakens your heart to have sight. And just like these in verse 30 that we're about to read about, they just listened and they concluded, okay, I'm not resisting anymore. I'm not fighting. I can't. I see him for who he really is. He's right there in front of me. He is the light of the world. He is the Messiah. 
There's no more fighting. There's no more battling. I'm done. My knees are bending before him. My soul is breaking and responding to him like never before. This is entirely different. I see. I believe. And God did this. My prayer is that you would be like these people this morning and that you would see Jesus as a result of him revealing light to your life. This has been our prayer for you this week. Verse 29 and 30, wrapping up. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, neither will you be alone. For I also do the things that are pleasing to him. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, as he was in the middle of these words, many believed in him. Wrapping up, I first want to address those who are outside of Christ, who are unbelievers, and then I'll address you Christians, you believers of Christ. Perhaps even new believers that see this for the first time today, okay? So first, let's go for the unbelievers. Jesus is, in fact, the light of the world. To the darkness of lies and falsehood, Jesus is the light of truth. To the darkness of ignorance, he is the light of wisdom. To the darkness of your sin, he is the light of holiness. To the darkness of sorrow, he is the light of joy. To the darkness of death, he is the light of life. This is Jesus. I also want you to know that Jesus, the light, became darkness for you on the cross, bearing the darkness that you had, so that he could defeat the power of darkness by proving that the light he had was greater than the darkness's power, and so that then he would shine forth forever and giving you light to do the same. That's the good news of the gospel, where Jesus did for you what you could not do for yourself. Lastly, for the unbeliever, consider 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This quote, let light shine out of darkness, is taken by Paul from Genesis 1, 3. Let there be light. This is beautiful. To those who are wrestling with the truths of Jesus' words this morning, for those who are outside of Christ, who are not believing Christ, please know that you truthfully, seriously need only one thing. It's not for Jesus to reveal any questions that you have in Scripture. It's not for you to figure out how the Bible was put together. It's not trying to figure out all these little things about where Jesus came from, who his daddy was, where he's going. It's not those contradictory things that these men were looking for. They needed one thing. They needed to see. That gets it. And then there's simple faith to believe it. You need one thing, and that's to hear God the Father say to your soul, let there be light. Ask God to enlighten your dead, dark soul. He will bring understanding, wisdom, light, life, comforter. Trust him, believe him, and be saved. And then tell us, and we'll baptize you. And everybody will know. Please, may it not be said of you that you're going to die in your sin. To the believers... 
Imagine if, if you and I were lost in the woods for a week. No water, no food. I would be miserable, by the way, if this happened. We would be fighting a lot. But let's say we're out in the woods and we're, we're away from food and water for a week. And then one night as we're trudging along, we see what we think to be a light way out, maybe 300 yards through the woods. You kind of just kind of got to look, depending on how the wind's blowing, the trees, you can kind of see it. And we start sprinting towards this light. I mean, I don't have to tell you. I think there's a light. We should maybe make haste. Okay? <laughs> you with me? It's like, it's like, no, I mean, I'm like, I'm gone. What's up, dude? I see a light. We're gone. <laughs> gone. Running. I don't have to tell you to run. We're there. Because there's a possibility of hope. I mean, we've been wandering. We've been lost. And we see that. And we run to that. Now imagine if you and I were out paintballing or egging homes. Right? <laughs> been there a few times. And let's say, not recent, promise, okay? And let's say that we're out and we're ducking behind bushes. And we're throwing and shooting. And then all of a sudden, like, we get to this big house, beautiful house, and we're, like, loaded. I've got, like, 12 dozen eggs. We're just going to start unloading on this thing. And we get ready, like, right here, and all of a sudden, porch light comes on. We, we run. We run from that. Like, we're thinking, oh, my gosh, we're going to get caught. We're going to get thrown in jail. I've heard all these stories. I don't want to be that guy, right? <laughs> Let's say the porch light is similar, and the reactions to the porch light coming on, Entirely different. For those who are in Christ, we sin. Here's what's so amazing about grace is when we sin, we can go to Jesus. We can run to the cross and see our sin on him as he's bearing the punishment and even the guilt, the side effects, the shame from our sin. He forgives us. That's what it's like to see that light and run to it, even though it hurts, even though that messes with us, even though in our heart there's a tendency to want to push away and resist, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, as the hymn writer would put it. But see that light and run to that and see the grace and mercy that's just waiting for you. For those who are in Christ this morning with me, when we sin, may we not be caught in our sin and be as those guys trying to egg the homes and run and flee and hide, cover it up, conceal it, excuse it. That's misery. You can't cover up your sin. You can't hide your sin. You can't ignore your sin. You can't excuse your sin. And if you do, you become bitter. You become angry. You become harmful to the church of Christ. 1 John 1, 5-7 says that God is light and in him there is no darkness. And if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. When that porch light comes on and we confess it to God and to each other and we live in this vulnerability of exposing things, friendship happens. Fun happens. We get a taste of heaven right there. It's not what you think. You think that when you do that, you're going to be taken advantage of and hurt and harmed. But there's something beautiful about being caught, just like I said earlier, about the early detection of cancer. Run to the cross. Do not run from the cross. 
I want to wrap up with two passages of Scripture. 1 John 1, 5 through 10. Believers in Christ, maybe new believers, even this morning, hear these words. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, exposing things as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, look at this promise, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, conceal it, hide it, ignore it, excuse it, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Heed this warning, please. But if we confess our sins, if we run to that light, he is faithful and just. It means it's the right thing for him to do. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But what about all? But what about that one? All. But what about when I knew it was wrong? All. All unrighteousness. And the side effects that bog us down, the shame, the guilt, he died for that too. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. So who's wrong? Are we wrong or is God wrong? We're wrong if we say we have no sin because we know that he's not a liar. That's John's point in 1 John here. And I'm also wrapping up with this passage out of 1 Peter 2, and I'm calling you Christians, believers in Christ, to embrace your new identity in Christ and to know who you are and to live like it. You ready? You, Christian, are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are, Christians, hear me, you are a people for his own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now go and live for him, honor him, glorify him. This is our task. Because the one who saved us said, reflect me. And go and do likewise. Let's do it. I want to pray for the unbeliever. I want to pray for the believer. Jesus, thank you for being the light of the world. Thank you for changing the situation entirely. Lord, would those outside of Christ see you for who you really are and run to you and not make excuses anymore and they worship you as God, Messiah, ruler and reigner of all things forever and ever. And Lord, would those who have embraced you as Christ, who you have radically saved and redeemed, and they are part of your chosen priesthood, your royal priesthood, your chosen people, would they live like it? Would you give them the power? Would you give them the, the ability to run to you and not from you? Would they confess their sins to you? Would they run to the cross and confess? Would they repent? Would they turn from this? Would they say, no, this is no longer who I am. I am not to live like this. I'm a different person now and chalk it up to grace. Lord, will we live this way? Would we speak the excellencies of you and not bragging about our sin, but will we brag about you, about how you truly redeemed us from darkness and brought us, you hand-delivered us into the marvelous light. You stopped our funeral. 
God, thank you. Will we live for you? In Christ's name, amen.